and even at more of a base level for me, I'm alive. I, I want to do what I want to do. I'm not going to wake up every morning and go and do some work just to get by. The point of me living and doing this, making this money and doing this thing is to be able to spend it how I want to spend yeah. it. I can't see becoming rich, but not having the time to spend the money <laughs> and not having the time to enjoy the things that you work for. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So it, it was um more efficient use of the money that we make, like the, the, the exchange that we got for the our talents or our um, expertise or whatever, using it in the way it was intended, which is to enrich my life and the life of my family. Fear of the Free Child is a weekly podcast that centers diverse narratives, insightful commentary, learning with our children and de-schooling ourselves, owning our multiple identities and treating children with dignity, creating community and sharing conversation from often silenced spaces. Breathing life into liberation practices proactively and on purpose. It's about parenting. It's about self-directed education, loving. It's about learning, liberatory practices. Defining love for ourselves and giving our love to as much of the world as it can possibly contain. Let's find each other. Let's support each other. All of these stories are important and should be shared. One of the benefits of becoming my patron is that I invite you to ask me specific questions and then I answer them here on the podcast. Episode 37, Fear of the Free Child podcast. I am Akila S. Richards and I've got another love and unschooling episode because Chris is here <laughs> with me. Hola. <laughs> so we're talking together because on this episode, we're going to be answering a question and then also sharing our experience at an unschooling event that we went to here yesterday. Mm -hmm. So Sonia LeBlanc is a patron of the podcast. What up, Sonia? Thank you. <laughs> and she asked a question about our location-independent lifestyle, our lives as digital nomads. We went yesterday to the Liberation Language event, Zakia, mm -hmm. who is the co-founder of South Africa's first self-directed education conference, the Reimagine Learning Conference that happened in February mm -hmm. of this year. Unfortunately, we weren't able to make the conference, but fortunately, we came to South Africa like a couple weeks afterwards, connected yeah. with Zakia, met a bunch of other um, unschoolers, and have really just... Um, Felt a sense of connection to the community, I'd say, in yeah. the months we've been here. Definitely. I would say that. So Zakia organized a discussion at the Reimagine Learning Center right outside of Johannesburg in an area called Troyville. And it's run by Shavani Davids and his brother, Sebastian. And it's, it's just a really magical space, even the physicality, like what the space actually looks like. Can you tell us a little bit about this space? It's a, it's a child's playground with lots of trees, lots of things to climb on, and a very open building. Like if nature made a child's playground, right? Like not a formal child's playground. Yeah. Because it's like the actual terrain, the way yeah. that the, they carved out pieces of the hill to make the house and to make a place for you to put a barbecue grill, you know. Yeah. There are tons of trees to climb. Yeah. 
there's a, a porch that kind of hangs over the carport. So there's little nooks to crawl and climb and, you know, explore. Yeah. There's also... Tire a, swings everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Tons of tire swings. <laughs> Shivani actually told me that they... um No, it wasn't Shivani. It was his brother. Bashi. Uh, Bashi Sebastian. Yeah. yeah he, told, he told me that he wants to teach the children how to... um go out and make those so go into different parks oh. and make swings from the tires yeah because see like here and I, ha- I haven't if you have you seen those types of tire swings in the states no y'all because typically you have to cut it you people you, don't want to cut into right the tire so like usually that. it's yeah. a tire right like if you if you're based in the u.s or maybe even the caribbean and i say tire swing you probably think of a tire and a rope right yeah. but here they actually use the tire to cut out like sort of like a mini hammock, like a more curved, a more U-shaped hammock, yeah. right? That yeah. is made from they cut the tire. The ti- right. They yeah. actually carve it out of the tire. It's, it's really dope and it's thin and it's just it, you, like you sit your whole body in it almost like a hammock, unlike a swing, yeah. a traditional swing where you're just, you know, it's just that one panel going across. Right. So I think that's just really brilliant. Yeah. It's cre- yeah. yeah, it was definitely cool. It was, yeah, it was good to see. That was the other thing I liked about it too. Is that in the states, when you go to a playground, there is every bit of rubber or wood chips or pellets or whatever all over the ground mm-hmm. to make sure that if you fall, you fall <laughs> on a nice bed of feathers and whatever like that. Very <laughs> dust. Yeah, right. But when I grew up, when we were running around, if you fell, you knew you fell because you got cuts and stuff, and that that kind of stuff happens. It's definitely like a um. It's a play area that I would remember from my childhood. Not necessarily dangerous, but also not overly protected. Manicured and yeah. protected. Yeah, that's true. And that's something that Bashi said too. He was like, as many children as they've had there, because it's right now, it's like an unschooling school. It's a self-directed education school. But um, as many children as they've had there, even with events that they've had, nobody has fallen and hurt themselves. Even though when you first look at it, you're like, um, this is like real ass terrain. This is not like my baby might not be okay. But then you see them and you just start to realize like your own fear. You see your own fear is separate from your child because they traverse that area quite normally and naturally and fast. You know, they don't have those sort of fears. To me, it just kind of lends itself to what unschooling helps you to do which is to recognize your child as separate from you and your thoughts about them and hopes for them as separate from them so as not to inflict yourself upon your child, but instead be with your child. And that actually sounds like something from the... From yesterday? Oh, yeah. That was what somebody said. (laughs) Ah, yeah. Yeah, so um, the event was called Liberation Language, and it was an unschooling discussion about the link between unschooling and liberation and how language, the things that we say to children, to ourselves, how those things can either be oppressive or liberating and, you know, just sort of feeling through some of the challenges and potential solutions to that. So it was just a room full of people discussing that. And and it was a good blend of people too. You had Muslims, white South Africans, you had colored people. That's the term here. Mm -hmm. Took me a minute to adjust. (laughs) I was like colored oh my god and black folks you know black africans and then us as jamaicans yeah. and one woman from um england yeah so it was just this melting pot <laughs> and adults and children and adults and children yeah. running through the space together yeah. yeah 
So that was really good. So we talked about those things. I read an essay that I wrote around unschooling and liberation, and then we just talked. It was powerful to be able to be in a space where you're used to being the the weirdo, the what the family that's doing something that most people don't understand or don't like mm-hmm. even to be in a space where everybody <laughs> at one point experienced that and now we were together saying, okay, we can move past that. Here are some of the real things inside of this space and what can we learn from each other together. Yeah. And it was a good exchange of ideas and there were people that were at different stages in their journey. Um, in terms of not only introducing their their child or children to unschooling, but also unschooling themselves or deschooling, there were people in uh, you know in different stages of that, and it was it was good to to talk from those different stages because mm-hmm. some stages you know you you remember and maybe you can give insight. Other stages you haven't reached yet, and you know you're it caused you to kind of really start to think about it and really consider what your stance is on it and how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. And even that idea, you know, we I think that was one of the other things we spoke about too is the idea of, well, the danger of creating a monolith of anything. Right, whether right. Whether it's gender expectations or um, race relations mm-hmm. or in this case, um, the concept of unschooling, kind of breaking down that, that idea that there is a single way to do it. Right. Because if there is, if what we, we realized in talking is that if, if it really was, a single way of doing it, it wouldn't be much different from regular school. Exactly. Because that's what re- regular school teaches is to kind of mash out all the differences and just go with... A standardized a, version. Yeah. yeah. That is the goal. The goal isn't education. It's standardization. Yeah. How do you measure up on this thing? Are you in the right bracket? Um, yeah. So it was really, really good to be able to talk with people about that. Shout out to Zakia over at Growing mm-hmm. Minds for putting that together and to Shavani and Sebastian over at Reimagine Learning Center for hosting us. It was yeah. a brilliant, brilliant space. And Marley did the social media management. She was on Hoot, Hootsuite holding it down. <laughs> Shout out to Marley. <laughs> right, right, right. Yes, and Kamil, Zakia's son, he introed. Yeah. So it was just a really, really dope vibe. Yeah. I'm so glad we went there. And the children were just like thoroughly enjoying themselves. Remember the little, was it a little girl who kept saying like, yeah, at like yes. the perfect time yeah, while a girl on the piano yes I'm it was like i'd hired her to be like my cheer squad <laughs> yeah it was just magical really cool i'll share some images and also some footage from that over the next few weeks on my facebook page so if we're not connected there head over to facebook.com forward slash radical selfie all one word and you can check that out question from podcast patron Sonia LeBlanc. She says, we are getting to the age where they don't need us or they don't need as much and can travel well. And I want them to explore the world and connect deeply with their cultures, which are based in the Caribbean, West Africa, the Canary Islands, Ireland, and Germany. I need them up and out of this country as much as possible. I love how your family is doing this. And I would very much like to be in a similar space when my girls are closer to their age. And by there, she means Marley and Sage's ages. So if you would like to share more insight on your podcast about the ins and outs of your own nomadic life structure, and if you know others who would do that too, in particular in reference to economically. I always pine for this and kick myself for the debt I went into with student loans that feel like they prevent us from doing this. We own nothing and have no debt other than the student debt, but that is the worst. Just some history and insight into 
how you do what y'all do would be wonderful to hear. If you don't know, we are the two most known or most widely used terms for it is location independent and digital nomad. And it just means that we don't rent or own property that we spend most or all of our time in, you know, in a particular city or country. We just move between places Mm -hmm. as a family of four. And, um, you know, we just live and learn in that particular way. Yeah. And so this came as a result of us beginning to unschool with Marley and Sage and then realizing that since we were no longer tethered to the schedule of school, because our whole lives revolved around getting the girls to school on time or being home when they get back, you know, when the bus drops them off. Once that was no longer uh, a tether, it just opened our eyes to just the different things that's like, wait, is this actually what we want to be doing or is this kind of, is it just the path that we followed? Yeah, and we recognized that having a house, we had purchased a home and having two vehicles and, you know, all of the things that come with that lifestyle, we realized that that was no longer what we wanted. We wanted a very different experience and we wanted the girls to have space to explore and express themselves in different contexts. And so it just led us down the path to start traveling. And it was kind of like the perfect storm of technology at the same time. Uber came out, Airbnb came out. There was a a huge shift after that whole issue with the the banks. Oh, the too big to fail or the the bailout. If you remember, it was was after that we started to look at what our focus was and if it if it was our focus or if it was part of that whole um, American dream. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Go to college, work, house, all that stuff. So um, it was around around that time when that, that whole collapse happened, and then the emergence of Uber and stuff kind of made life easier because I think directly after that, we went to Jamaica. And it... Yeah, it was like Lyft, then Uber, something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, that was the first time that we said, oh, so then what we'll do then, we took the girls, we de-enrolled the girls from elementary school, and we said we would spend a couple of months in Jamaica, and we stayed with family. And so at that time, we still... You know, we were still in our in our structure. We're still in our home, all of that. Um, but we said, let's try it out for this amount of time, just a little bit under two months. And we did it. And even though the girls were enrolled in a virtual academy, they were not focused on those the, the damn textbooks that I had shipped all the way to Jamaica. They just were just living and learning and moving about. And I was like adamant that they still needed to do their textbook stuff, especially Marley being the older one. But she was so against it that it just forced me to be like, do I want to keep fighting this or do I just want to observe and see what happens if they're just just being? Yeah. 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 But take a step back. Before that trip, remember, um, we weren't only tethered to one place because of a house. We also had like the equipment that we used for the type of work that we did. I had a um, a tower. Oh uh, yes, yes. For like design work and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, a computer tower thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And when we made the conscious decision that you know we weren't gonna be tethered to a single place, we kind of needed to rethink how we could continue to make money wherever it was. Because you know we don't exactly have. Um, Hedge funds. Hedge, hedge funds or any other funds that were just kind of... Trust there. funds, Trust yeah. Funds. <laughs> so, so we kind of need to work out how we would 
gain money from anywhere. So that means we needed to take some time to change up our equipment. I had to sell tower, mm-hmm. monitor, all those things. And, and have something more mobile. And... Or a laptop. Mm-hmm. Or a laptop that can do the work that I needed it to do. And just really considering all those other things. How would I get a call? How would I contact my clients in the States? Mm-hmm. That's where most of them were. How would we talk? How would it make it as easy for them as possible? And that's web technology was a factor there too, because technology was getting to a point where email lists and stuff, you know, it was just simplified. Now it wasn't this big fancy thing that only big companies did. Now you could automate things with an email list and, you know, social media. We just really started um, paying more attention to how social media worked. And uh, we even had a social media uh, management company at one point, um, Socially Vibrant, just really started going down that path and realizing all the ways that so much of what our work and our interests were just didn't call for us to be in one particular place. Right, right. So, yeah, that was that was a big step. It was the first step in my mind, other than, you know, making the decision that we're going to explore the big world that we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a, a major first step for me because it went down the line of logistics. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I need to see. So mm-hmm. when I started mm-hmm. thinking like that, then I was like, well, this is the type of equipment I would need. This is the type of luggage I would need to, to carry around the things that I need efficiently and not have things all over the place or things getting crushed or damaged or things like that. Yeah. So, you know, I did the research and I had to find the right backpack that would carry the laptop and everything that I would need. Um, my drives, my um, toolkit stuff to, if I needed to do some servicing on the laptop, I yep. buy a toolkit to pull it apart and change, you know, all those things. Yeah. Like we just really went down, like, what would this actually look like? And even, um, from a spiritual perspective, like these are the sort of things that you do, you know, when you say you really visualize what it is that you want, you know, or even even maybe from a, a strategic perspective. When you talk about athletes, the importance of them seeing themselves, you know, what their process looks like for winning, you know, getting to their point. Very same thing. We're just like, okay, so if we could live wherever we wanted to, what would it take? What what might that look like? For you, it was like, what sort of tools do you need? And for me, it was, what do I need to get rid of? Yeah. That's how it felt because all those things that I'd accumulated started to feel like a mountain that was like piled on top of me. I wasn't sitting on top of it. It was on top of me. Even things I liked, like I had a lot of clothes and I had a ton, like a shit ton of shoes. Yeah, <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> it was foolishness. So I was like, okay, what am I, what can I get rid of? And then getting rid of things started to feel really liberating. And because everything is everything, it went from purses and clothes and shoes being shed to feel liberating to ideas about how my girls needed to act or be or whatever, like shedding that shit or how I needed to act or be or how you needed to act or be as my partner, as my husband. All of those things were now up on the table because you open one you know, like once you start down some path to liberation, like that shit just spills into everything. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, Sonia, so logistically, that's the first step. Looking at what does my day to day need to look like to support this thing, which means what things do I need and also what things do I need to get rid of? And then also you mentioned already, Chris, like we just use those sort of 
uh, share, whether it's home share or ride share sort of technologies to support the lifestyle. So things like Airbnb and now there's inclusive and then flight deals, sites and things of that nature. Home away is another one, right? Yeah. In my mind, the key thing to it all was that we just went after what we wanted. I think a lot of people, us included, make it more difficult than it actually has to be. Um, We put all these things in front of it like, you know, you really need to be balling to do (laughs) travel and do the things. Because we certainly thought that, yeah. yeah. But what it actually was, was that we just changed our priorities. Yeah. It changed the things that was important to us and it forced us to really just pick and choose between what was important to us and what was something we got used to. Right. the, The idea of coming in to your own place that you pay monthly for or whatever is something we got used to. Mm-hmm. The thing that replaced that was that we wanted to be elsewhere. So whatever changes or adaptations that needed to happen for us to be able to be somewhere else for an extended amount of time, that's what we had to work out. That's what we had to make the decision. Yeah, because certainly we didn't start making more money. I mean, we left corporate, so we were making less money. So technically, (laughs) we couldn't afford to do it, right? It was never about financial resources. It was about making that decision to say, these things do not feel like freedom. They feel like the opposite of that. And I don't need to be spending my days trying to fit my children into a system and following that system with the rest of my life. I don't need to do that. And also it's toxic for my children because they need the space to explore and and express who they are. Learning is natural. It's a byproduct of living. And they didn't need to be sitting in a space following rules to learn. So all of those things just led to exploration in so many different forms, including going to different parts of the world and just living. And even at more of a base level for me, I'm alive. I want to do what I want to do. I'm not going to wake up every morning and go and do some work just to get by. The point of me living and doing this, making this money and doing this thing is to be able to spend it how I want to spend it. I can't see becoming rich, but not having the time to spend the money (laughs) and not having the time to enjoy the things that you work for. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So it it was um, more efficient use of the money that we make, like the, the, the exchange that we got for the, our talents or our um, expertise or whatever, using it in the way it was intended, which is to enrich my life and the life of my family. Yes, I hear that. Yeah. So that was the, the formula for us, just making those decisions and following the path of, okay, so now that I've made this decision, what do I need to do to support this decision? Yeah. How do I support myself in this decision? And we did that, and we did that through a lot of communication with the girls as well, talking about why we would choose certain areas or where do they want to go, you know, because each of each of us really have like this one spot that we're like, yo, I can't wait till we go here. It's that sort of adventure. And along the way, we meet people and we have great experiences like the one we had yesterday. We make long-term friends, people that we stay in touch with, and the girls get to practice Being in their own skin, you know, making decisions for themselves, practicing life skills in real life settings. So that's that's basically what it is. And that's how we do it by prioritizing the resources that we have. And just trusting in your ingenuity, trusting in your 
ability to make things work? Yeah. How, how can you take what you already have and make it to what you want? Exactly. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> Much like unschooling, it is not prescriptive. There's no five to seven step formula. You'll be surprised how many resources are available. You'll be surprised how much everything isn't actually about money as a resource. They're just people and situations in the world where you can exchange value for value. And that's what it's about. As you said, Chris, just like enriching your life and not just making it about finding a good place to live, but about what does it mean to live? What does it mean to feel alive to me? Right. And am I working in alignment with that? And um, being really focused on what it is exactly that you want to do. Not just saying things like, I want to travel. Right. Exactly. Um, that's a good one. Yeah. That's not, a good one. I don't, it's not just, I want to travel. It's where specifically. You'll just be surprised at all of the resources that are available when you start channeling your attention and supporting your decision in a in a different direction. Yeah. Check out my Patreon page and feel free to connect with whether it's $3 a month or one-time $30,000 donation. You can do that over at patreon.com forward slash Akila. Talk to you next week. Peace. Thanks for being here, Chris. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Fair the Free Child podcast. Like the show? Then show your love or give your feedback at akilasrichards.com.